Hey, what's going on, you filthy animals? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. So this episode, I brought on Debt Free Joel. He's an influence on Instagram as well. He's got the CFA. He's got the CIPM. He's got the MBA. He's been in the finance world for a couple of decades now. And he's really well-versed in debt management. He's got personal experiences to go along as he practices what he preaches. And really, when, when we boil down investing and all these things it is bar none the most important thing is managing your debt if you can't manage your debt you you shouldn't even bother investing right because debt is going to perpetually keep you under and if you continue to invest while you you stack on all this this debt you're really killing your financial flexibility so you know, when I'm not a huge fan of um, oh, uh, Dave Ramsey and his program necessarily for someone who's sophisticated, but for 95% of America, you know, his, his debt snowball method of, of just tackling the debt first before you invest is is probably the, the, best, the best advice you can follow if you're 95% of Americans, you know, if you're a sophisticated investor who knows how to manage debt, sure. But, you know, I argue, and even if you're listening to this this podcast, you know, I bet in one, one time or another, you've had a debt problem. And so with that, just keep that in mind. And um, again, this, this conversation is quite refreshing. It's all centered around debt, personal responsibility. Fantastic gentleman to speak to. I hope I have the privilege and opportunity to do it again. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. And I completely did not realize that like Discord has its own thing with the mic settings. Okay, yep, yep. Yeah, so I was sitting there like, <laughs> I was like, oh crap. Like, you know, like I was prepared and everything. I'm like, I don't even know how to work the mic on this. Thing. No worries. Hey, I really appreciate your time coming on here. It's always good you know, meeting like-minded people and, and people on the platform as well. So again, I appreciate your time. Nah, nah, I, I, I man, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, what you're doing. I love what you're doing out there. You was making me laugh earlier today um, with some of the posts and stuff, man. So I, I, I love doing this type of thing. You got to keep it light. I feel like in, you know, in this world, I just feel like there's so much hostility around these like volatile assets because there's, there's uh, a riot, wider range of, a volatile opinion so it's good to keep it light every now and again you know and if you think about it especially like with the credential that you have right like you can go over people's heads very quickly if you chose to sure right like you can you can make it very awkward for people yep same thing with me so you have to like kind of bring it to reality and yep. try to give it in, in different ways to you know get to the same objective so yeah, because it's, you know how it is. Like, you know, a lot of the, the people in that world, and I know you're familiar with it, you know, they kind of go over people's heads and it's a big turnoff in the markets for the average investor. So I'm trying to bring it back to reality, which I see you're trying to do as well. Yeah, it's hard. It is, man, because you can go into real, like, you know, in-depth conversations about things and it's it, it goes right over people's heads because yeah. it's, it, it's easier to relate to my account growing than to relate to, like, you know, some random theory about finance and, you know, talking about behavior, right? Like, right. you know, my account just, I just grew my account by a thousand dollars. What are you talking about, Joel? I don't want to hear this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so what, so, you know, you have the CFA, you have the CIPM, MBA. 
what did you where did you go to school first off yeah so i went to school um my undergrad uh, which was in um stony brook university yep. was applied to mathematics and statistics ah, okay and, and i went to st john's university out here in new york and queens gotcha um to get my mba in finance i the reason why i got an applied math degree in in uh stony brook is because i didn't know finance was even a major i keep it so 100 i didn't even know it was a major Fair enough. Okay. And when was this? In the 2000s? This was just, yeah, yeah, 2000s, like 2001 to 2005. I was at Stony Brook. Okay. I mean, that's a good, that's a good background to have, though, getting into the finance world. I feel like uh, that's. I, I, so, yeah, I, the one <laughs> thing I do appreciate about getting the statistics degree is that it allows me to kind of, you know, hopefully remove the emotion because you can just look at stats. Sure. And you can you can look at it over time and, and, and just really look at how things, you know, necessarily move in a certain direction. So I was actually happy. I, I you know, looking back, I was happy I did it. But, you know, at the time, if I knew, yeah, I would have done the, I would have done finance a lot earlier and got it over with. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I got my master's in statistics. So I feel like it's one of those things. I'm actually really grateful I had that background because finance is one of those things. You know, I'm sure you feel this way. You can teach yourself a lot of it, too you know, down the road through your work experience and things of that nature. But it's really hard to just teach yourself mathematics unless you really, yes. you know. Absolutely. It, it's it's one of those things where in particular, just the, the, you know, seeing the trends, seeing how things perform over time, seeing that history repeats itself, Yeah. right? You know, going to somebody and saying, hey, yeah, you know, you made a lot of money, but you can't sustain that over 15 years. You know, come see me, you know, in 15 years. We'll see if you really are still doing the same. Mm -hmm. Like those type of things, it's hard for people to, uh, to get that. Right. What did you do? So, you know, you got your education. Were you on Wall Street at all? Or what was kind of your professional oh, so Yeah. So it, ironically, so I got out of school. I had applied mathematics and statistics degree. And I worked like in an internal audit firm for a security firm, not like securities in terms of stocks and bonds, like security guards. Right? Oh, okay. Wow. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're out there making like 1050 an hour and all this kind of stuff. Oh, and, shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I worked under the VP of, um, of finance at the firm. And, you know, I was like, oh, you know, this, this seems pretty cool. He controls the money. I've always been good with math. Right. Um, especially in, you know, in, in with, with my neighborhood and where we all came from, you didn't really know. You just knew you had to go to college. You didn't know if there was a plan on how to get through college and, and you know, what's after that. Right. Right. So I said, you know, I started looking into, you know, finance and I was like, you know, MBA sounds pretty cool. Let's go for that. Took the GMATs, got my ass whooped the first time I took it. I was like, I gotta really study for this. Okay, let's go back. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's do this. Let's do this correctly. Um, and then went to to St. John's, got the MBA. And then when I came out, you're gonna like this. When I came out is when the market crashed. Uh, in uh, what, like 0809? 08-09. Yeah. So when okay. you when I came out, yeah. yeah when I came out, they didn't want to see any any resume that had finance on it oh, fuck. oh shit <laughs> yeah they didn't care bro they didn't care at all right it was because it, remember it crashed so i yeah. went in in uh january of 08 i got out in 09 so oh, you look dirty well, to them man they didn't want anything to do with you yeah so i saw the entire <laughs> thing happen oh like no. you know like <clears throat> you can do like a virtual trading so they had a course and I remember, I remember sitting with classmates of mine betting on, you know, what companies weren't going to make it out of the weekend. 
Yeah, because remember it was like Monday morning. What company? You know, you had Lehman Brothers go, Bear Stearns, oh, yeah, like yeah. all these. You had all these firms. So when I came out, nobody wanted to see anything about a math, uh, a master's degree in, in finance. They didn't care. So I got a job um, doing basically compliance for mm-hmm. investment firms. Okay. Um, and it's called it's called like the Global Investment Performance Standards. And I've been in that industry ever since because it gives me one foot in the investment world and one foot out. So. Instead of me sitting there choosing and picking stocks all day, right. what happens is, is I work with the investment advisors themselves, and I look at their marketing, their performance, their compliance, gotcha. and like I see the hell that they go through. Man, Josh, I'm never going to open an investment firm. It's, it's too stressful. It is. I just, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. That's why I got out of that world. It is stressful, man, what they have to go through. So when I got, when I got there... Um, then I, then I went for the CFA and that one, that one hurt. I am not going to lie. tell everybody That was painful. That was extremely painful. And it was one of those things. That's why I said, I wish I did finance early because I could have got that out the way. While you're going to school too, right? Or doing during your MBA. Yeah, it's right. Exactly. It's right in your face. So, um, doing a CFA, it it got, it took me five years to get that man. Level two, I failed twice. Oh, you did. I tell everybody. Shit. Yeah, I got punched right in the face twice. Oh. It was to the point, the third time I took it, um, it was, look, man, this is, if this, this is doesn't it. work, you're going to have to quit. Yeah. And like, I, you know, yeah. I've never, like, to me personally, I've never quit anything. Right. So it was, it took me to the absolute brink. It's a kick in the nuts. Um, I mean, absolutely. Uh, it's, it humbles you. I don't care if you pass it or not. It humbles everybody. I've never met someone that said, yeah, it was cool. Oh, hell no i mean everyone who, who takes it knows the pain they went through i mean it took me four years to do it um i never actually failed a level surprisingly because i think i did it i did it while in school partially so that definitely helped nice um, nice man but it's one of those things man it i mean you lose so much sleep you lose relationships oh. you know how it goes man <laughs> yeah man i got a graveyard like I, I i always tell people like that that cost me a lot man i got a graveyard of, of relationships that didn't work you yeah. know that to this day has still got problems because you you had to shut everything off everything. you literally shut you shut life off and i don't think people kind of understand that you know from that perspective like i always say the the cfa is the closest thing to a phd that will ever get you know what i'm saying like it's, yeah. i call it the practical phd because it's it's basically the same thing yeah i mean you know in terms, yeah. of, in terms of all that information yeah and it's taking you about the same time the average person takes about four to five years to get it yep exactly and it was it, it's one of those it's one of those that like um especially when i meet with investment advisors and i meet with portfolio managers what I realized was that when you put your business card down and it has that credential, they kind of back up. Like they kind of like respect you a little bit more because yeah. they know the pain. You know, yeah. you can't fake that one. So, um, you know, it went through. It went through that, and and you know, I've I've always liked money. I've always um, enjoyed it. But I, I I don't. The reason why I like money is a little bit different. Like I like to study people's behavior towards it. Right. People, how people react towards it. And right. Um, that's how I started doing the thing on Instagram really was after the social unrest last year. Um, everybody, you know, was freaking out. Everybody's protesting. And I'm like, I'm not going in people's faces screaming in the middle of a pandemic. But I, what I will do is, you know, try to give the game on what helped me, you know, mm. 
establish a pretty good foothold because you know if you if you have the money you can control the rules <laughs> right at <laughs> like, least for your life exactly yeah i exactly, you know i really saying? like can, that yeah yeah so that's that's how i did it and that's how you know i, I developed the page and that's where i'm at now you sitting there doing podcasts and lives and i'm pretty sure the same thing for you like it's like it just starts regular and then you know it starts going from there yeah i just thought i saw a huge market for good quality content like good sound advice and i'm sure you see this there's a lot of garbage on every platform yeah. right now i mean probably it outweighs the good content so i mean there's mm -hmm. just a market for people like us you know, just give reasonable advice nothing that says to the moon nothing of garbage like that just you know sound advice and that's kind of where I, my head was at too yeah, it's 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 hard because you know you have this clickbait, right? There's you know this is this the new stock that you need to invest in and yeah. all this kind of stuff, and it's like all right, you know, I I got to stick to what I know. I'm gonna stick to what I do, and you know you just try to give the information away, and especially for me, you know, especially trying to give the information away from you know a minorities perspective to other minorities, it's like. You know, people are impatient, man. They want that. They want the money today. They don't want to talk about having it compound over ten years. I want to be rich tomorrow, Joel. What the hell are you talking about? Why do you about? think that is? Like, what? What's the? Like, why do you think that is the way that is? I'm just kind of curious from behavior. Behavior, okay. hundred percent. I study more behavior than I do mathematics. Okay. I study a lot of behavior than you know, like with everything that we've done from a CFA, MBO, I kind of. I study more behavior than anything. Remember, like, level three had the cognitive bias. 100%. Right? I love bias. behavioral finance. It's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I 100% I I love that area because you start to see how people think, right? So yeah. it, I thought about this earlier. Like, to mess your life up would be very easy right now. All you got to do is go out tomorrow, right? Go to a dealership for a car you can't afford. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe you sign some paperwork a couple of hours later, you put no money down, maybe. Yep. And then you walk out and then you're behind the eight ball for the next seven to 10 years. And that ruins your life. Probably, probably the entire trajectory of your life for most people. Yeah, it completely takes you off. Yeah, exactly. Right. But then look how easy it was. A couple hours of your life and you messed up the next 10 years. Right. At least. And right. then after that, trying to get, get it back on schedule. So don't you think. You know, from a behavioral standpoint, if it was that easy to get into debt, shouldn't it be really quick to get out? So whose fault do you think it is? Is it the the individual ourselves or is it the institutions or who do you who do you blame or what do you think should be done about that? I think personal responsibility. I'm a big proponent of that. Right. Sure. You 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 reap what you sow, like from a biblical <laughs> perspective. I'm a big I'm a big fan of that. Like, so right. if you reap good. You know, what I'm saying if you did a good job, you should get paid for that. But. I think so. The first responsibility goes on the person for sure. Sure. Um, because you 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 should you should know better, right? The biggest excuse somebody gives you at the end of the day is, you know what? I deserve this. Whenever you hear that, Josh, you know what that means? They're gonna buy something they can't afford. <laughs> yep, right? I've heard that absolutely. We've all done it, right? Like we've all yeah, said, we I heard this, man. I worked mad hard for this, y'all. I'm gonna get to, and then you buy something you don't need. And like, then you're the first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the first the first responsibility is definitely on the person. I think the second one though is on the institutions because they have people in those institutions who know how to manipulate your behavior. Yeah. Right? Agreed. The colors that they use, right? Sure. Like I always tell my friends, um, if you ever watch CNN, I everything do. is breaking news. Yep. 
how how is everything breaking news how <laughs> <laughs> like how right and the and the colors they use they use red red sure. makes you stop right it makes yeah. you stop and look it, it invokes rage it invokes passion so you know it, those little things so what do you think companies do they know the music that they use in the in the, the tv and yeah. they, they knew they know how to manipulate you in such a way that they can push you in a certain direction to spend money i mean that's just that's why i think it, it's it's a shared blame but that's why you know what we do is important because you got to kind of pull people out that matrix right i mean there's no money in peace it's all in conflict and clickbait stuff yeah right? <laughs> yeah easily yeah absolutely it's absolutely and you're once you start competing against somebody's behavior and emotions like when i start talking to people and consulting with people i argue with their emotions more than their budget right right like you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah, yeah. like they you know what i'm saying like especially even from an investment perspective right like you you know you i was laughing you said something earlier i think it was like um about dogecoin and i was yeah. i was dying when i heard it he was like yeah there's this smart money and there's dumb money you know I, I was like i can't say it better than that because you know both of them can make money but you know when you're arguing with with those type of individuals it's it's hard to to pull them out you know what i'm saying and be right. like oh, you need to do this a little bit differently it's it's you know, you gotta explain to somebody, you know, when they come to you messing around with a budget that yo, having two cars in the house, two gym memberships, and a bunch of crap in your house that you can't afford is messing up your budget. Right. Like they think you you could just find new money. Like what? <laughs> well, I think some like, people what? think right out right now is like if you made money, you're you're automatically smart. And it's like for me, dude, everything was in the green last year. And there's you yes. know, it, it, they're not they can be exclusive from each other, like. You can make money but still be dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, there's a thing called luck. Yes. Right. There's a there's a thing like you you said like I said you said it perfectly. There's dumb money. Like you could make money off of nothing. You could you could walk down the street right now find a hundred dollars on the floor. That doesn't mean you did anything to do that, right? It just means that you were in the right place at the right time. And you know I think that goes to the confirmation bias, right? People Ooh, yeah. look to confirm what they already know. Of course. Right. Like from a from a behavioral standpoint. So when you got people and that's the dangerous thing about where we're at right now in the market is that right. people are people are starting to believe their own hype. <clears throat> and that's the problem. Now, do you think the problem right? there is decentralized investment groups like your Reddit traders, your crypto groups, like all these forums and stuff? Do you think that's part of the problem? It's like a constant feedback loop. Oh, yeah, I, I think it's part of the problem, but I, I don't knock them. Yeah. I don't knock the platform, right? I mean, we're sure. on Discord, right? Now, yep. Right? And we're on Discord. There's a bunch of people who have their own, you know, channels and, and they put right. investment stuff in there, right? I, I, I can't blame the platform. I can't blame yeah. Reddit. I can't blame those people. What I can blame is that people that are on there mm -hmm. that are, conf you know, it's exciting. It's a game. It's a casino, right? It's a, <laughs> It's a casino. It's a game. Like... It, it there's a stimulus right it's the it's the dopamine it's the mm. hit that's yeah. what it is it's dopamine like there's a there was a study i read once at least i didn't even read it. i think i heard about it where they studied the brain activity of people who day trade all day long okay and then they studied the, the brain activity of somebody who was on cocaine and what they realized is that the brain activity was roughly the same wow because it's dopamine you're getting the hit of of you know, wanting to be in the action and waking up sure. at four o'clock in the morning and, and doing all these different things. 
So people are addicted to fast money. Why do you think like Robinhood got so big? Oh my God. It yeah. wasn't just because of the ease of the Robinhood's been around for a while. It has way before 2020. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's been. I think it was like 2016 when they were the first ones coming out with no with no commissions. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I remember, yeah, and I remember my coworker telling me about it. And I, um, he was uh, my boy from my boy Tim, who's from China. He was telling me about it, and he was like, "Yeah, because I was on Fidelity. I use Fidelity. Sure. Like, why do you use Fidelity? Like, use use Robinhood because there's no commissions. I was like, I, dude, this doesn't make any sense to me. How do you not make money off commissions? I don't want any part of this. Right. 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 So. They changed the platform, yeah. or at least they, they started to adapt the platform. So when you bought something, confetti dropped. Mm -hmm. That's that's manipulating your behavior. It's making you feel like, oh, it's easy. Not realizing there's pages and pages of risk disclosures on there. And then you have people going too far. So, you know, again, I think personal responsibility is important, but they know how to get to people, man. They know how to, you know, people like the action. So what do you think comes from... You know, this behavior, because I feel like it's reached a tipping point now where there's, I feel like the retail investor, at least right now, the new retail investor has just gone way overboard with, you know, your GameStop, your AMC pumps, and that now your Dogecoin, like what arises from all this? What, what do you think at the end of the day is going to happen from this? I mean, history repeats itself, right? And it also right. rhymes. Yeah. So we saw this happen, right? In we the have. 90s. Yep. We saw it happen in 2000. Yep. You saw what happened in 2008. Sure. You saw what happened in 2017. Absolutely. It doesn't go well. It doesn't, it, none of this, none of this goes well, right? In 2000, anything with a dot com after his name made a lot of people rich. Yes. They were so confident during that time. People were just, it, these people were rich. And then all hell broke loose. And then in 2008, everybody in 2007, 2006, everybody's a real estate agent. People are buying houses all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And then collapsed. 2017, Bitcoin had a run. Everybody's making money off of Bitcoin. People are on Instagram telling you what you should do. And then all those people got quiet. Right. You know, a couple of years later, we're back. Yeah. So I think I think eventually, so you, you probably noticed this. Did you realize in this year, uh, I think it was February. All the posts about you know all these great investments that you should be investing in it got real quiet. Uh, it sure did. Because, your SPACs, your, right? your growth, your high innovation stocks. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. Right, it got extremely quiet because everybody was in tech stocks, everybody was in Bitcoin, everybody was in the same industries, and they didn't realize that cyclically things can change. And I'm so curious to see who people, took the losses. I'm curious to see if they. Like what the data was on the outflows from the retail. Percent. It got quiet. It got it got real. I I know a few people who hit me up on the side. Like you, I lost like ten grand. Sure. I was like, what are you doing? Like what what are you like you know? Because they were all invested in one stock or two stocks, and they were making a, a ton of money, not realizing that the market could go down. Like it was shocking to me that people didn't realize sometimes you can have a bad month, and that tells you right. That's the loss aversion. That's that other behavior one, right? That it hurts. <laughs> More hurts to more. lose money than to gain. I yeah. love that one. I talk about it all the time. I love it, man. Yeah, because think about it, right? I, you know, most of us, if not the majority of people, and I say overwhelming majority of people who are investing right now have loss aversion. They just don't know it yet. Sure. So when, when the market starts to go left and everybody's like, oh, fuck this, I'm taking my money out. We're going to have a problem, yeah. right? You, you get, like the minute the Fed goes, now nah, we're, we're done. We're not printing no more money. <laughs> like, yeah, it's over. 
Well, and then it's like when you, you know, take your it, money on the dips, now you actually have to get a higher rate of return just to break even. You know, see, that's the other thing. So a CIPM, that, that's the one thing that gave me the ability to, to actually calculate returns. Yep. And, you know, people, and even, yeah, even in the CFA, they had areas where, you know, you had to, like, know how to, you know, really do what a return means and all right. this kind of stuff. People don't realize just because you made money doesn't mean you beat the market. Yeah, you got to hold yourself accountable to something. It's it relative. Me through the wall. Yes, it's relative. Yeah. So what do you do so about do you, it though? So like you know you talk about all these these dips and, and people losing money, but there's people making money. So what's your strategy? You know what do you preach to I mean, your clients? Yeah, I mean what I me personally what I tell people is like what are you investing for? Hmm. Hey, what is what is your purpose? Right, there's got to be a purpose for it. You can't just be doing it for fun. You do it for fun, get your head chopped off. But like, what do you what are you doing it for? That's a good point. Yep. Right. If if are you trying to do it to be rich next week? Well, I right, good luck. Start trading everything under the sun. But if you're trying to, you know, build wealth, right? There's a lot. You know, there's a big thing about trying to build generational wealth, pass down your money to to your kids, especially in the black community, right? Where right. You're you're so behind. From an sure. economic perspective, that you have to pull yourself and and try to do certain things. Right. So if you're trying to build economic wealth, why the hell do I got to be rich tomorrow? Mm. I mean, it'd be fun, but I don't got to be rich tomorrow. So what I usually tell people is, if you're playing the long game, right. then you know you can. Like the majority of my portfolio, to be honest with you, and this is where it always makes me laugh. Majority of my portfolio is indexed. Yep. After everything we learned, think about it. After everything we learned. You got to level three. And remember what they told you at level three? Everything you learned, I'm, you know, paraphrasing them to this point. Yeah. Everything you learned up to this point probably still means you're not going to beat the market. <laughs> Pretty never much. That's what I that took long. away from, uh, that's why I'm a cynic in the market, man. It's really hard to do it. I never forget reading that line. After getting to year five, right? You're on level three. You're, you're almost there. You read a line that says basically everything you learned up to this point may, still may not work. And I was like, what? Right. And I was like, oh, okay. So the majority of my portfolio, at least what I tell people is like, you know, if you if you want to choose stocks, you want to appease to the to that type of realm, you know, 70% of my portfolio, 60% of my portfolio about is indexed. Me too. You know, yep. whether it be, you know, to, you know, international securities or to, you know, U.S. securities. Right. And then maybe the last 30%, you know, I, I use that to invest in stocks. So if those blow up, I don't kill my whole portfolio. I, I'm trying to compound over time. This is a 20-year thing. Right. I'm not trying to, you know, be rich tomorrow. And I think that's the other thing with finance. People think the only way to be rich is to invest. They don't realize, it's a, to me, it's a three-step process. You still got to save, you got to invest, and you got to be charitable. Yep. I have all three. Right? So people just focus on the investing part, not realizing that, you know, you could be investing, but if you're not saving none of the money you just invested, sure. the hell you did it for? Right. So, you know, I know you're, you, your big thing is debt. Do you have like a particular mm -hmm. debt story? Is that why you're all about it or kind of curious to see your perspective? Yeah, I think for me personally, it was I just hated paying people I don't like, you know, like like, <laughs> like I hated that concept. But, you know, I got to give my, my, my closest friend, my best friend since kindergarten credit one day you know we we were going to the city he pulled up to my mother's house where i was still living at the time and every time i you know i get along you know i get with him you know we always talk about money family and everything right so i got into the car and he was you know we started talking about money and he was like yeah man i just paid off my student loans and mind you i just i just 
finished graduating at the time. This so he just like he just paid off his undergrad at the time. Okay. And I just finished graduating um from the from St. John's for the MBA. Nice. I remember him saying it. And he was like, yeah, you know, I had the bread to do it because he was flipping houses at the time, right? This was around the 2007, 2008 time. Uh-oh, yep. Yeah, so when he did it, I was like, it, it just sat with me the entire night, Josh. It sat with me the entire night. I was like, yo, that makes sense. So I, I, when I got home, I was like, you know what? I'm still living home. at this. That was that critical moment where I could have really fucked everything up, right? Mm. I could have went, bought a car, got a, you know, moved out, pulled out of control. Right. I spent like the next year, year and a half paying off the student loans or yeah, about the next, about the, yeah, about the next year paying off the student loans. Okay. And about a year later, he pulled up to my house. I sat in the front of his car and I was like, remember that story you told me about you paying off your student loans? I said, I just did the same. And he just started laughing. And that's what started the journey for me. Cause then it was like, yo, cause remember you're starting to learn about interest. Now you're starting to learn about giving a bunch of people all the money you don't, right. you don't like. Um, so, you know, paid that off, paid off the, you know, I got a car after that, I bought a car, paid that crap off, paid off the credit cards. And then I think for me personally, it's the freedom that comes with it. Hey, you don't owe anybody shit. You don't answer to anybody. No, I don't answer. There's a freedom. I've been on both sides of the coin. I'm telling you this side is better. It is. Cause it gives me, <laughs> it gives me the ability to do what I want. Right. There's a, there's a certain freedom. I told somebody the other day, could you imagine if everybody walked around with the net worth on their forehead? <laughs> yeah, that'd be it'd scary, be, man. It'd be scary out here, right? It'd be, and you could say liquid. You don't even have to use your mortgage. You could just say liquid net worth. Oh, my God. Like, just what, what, do you, what do you have liquid right now, including your 401k? Like, where is that at? It would scare people. People don't think that way. So, especially in the black community, there's a, mm. there's a, a, a profound amount of debt. It, it's... Like our whole system is based on credit. Like I'm a capitalist, but even I know our whole system is based on borrowing money. Right. <laughs> so what do if you do in borrowing... that community? What do you, cause I'm, I'm all for that. I, I totally see the same thing. What do you do in that black community specifically? Like, what do you aim? You got to teach. You got to teach, right? Yeah. You got to teach people that there's another way. You got to show them that somebody, you know, from the hood, just like you could do it. Sure. Right. Like I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't have to come out here and, and talk high and mighty. I could look at you right in your face and be like, yo, that's a stupid ass move. Don't do that. <laughs> right. You know, like, like, you know right. So I could, I could say that with, with pure confidence and, you know, it's, it's showing people what I'm realizing. That's funny to me though, is that when you say, yo, become debt free, it's like, it's foreign to them. It sounds weird. Yeah. I remember one time, one of my friends was like, yo, what? what like nobody mean? can become Yo, nobody becomes debt free, and I, I remember sitting in her living room, and I was like, "I am." <laughs> She's like, "Oh, that's, that's just you know, that's just be yeah, that's just because you're you know you're in finance, you know what to do." I was like, "No." Oh, oh like, that's so sad. Ask, that's sad. Right? I'll ask you, Josh. I, so I'll ask you straight up. After yep. everything you've ever learned with the CFA, after everything you learned in statistics, has any of that ever taught you about personal finance? No, I'll have to say no. Nope. There you go. Think about it. As far as we took them credentials, as far as we took our education, we still didn't know the value of a dollar that, and what it means to save isn't it. Isn't that freaking right? crazy? So, it's not in college. It's not in high school. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. So here's what I usually tell people, right? It's like, damn, man, I wish I learned this in high school. I always tell people, so what's stopping you now? Yep. Right? What is, what is, what's stopping you right now from learning it? You could change it. I mean, you could. You can sacrifice and do what you need to do. I think people don't. It's a drug. 
It, it, to me personally, it's like a drug. It's the ability to buy things that you would normally not be able to afford. Well, I constantly so hear, can, I don't make enough money, Joel. I, I don't, I can't do it. I mean, what do you, what do you oh, say God. to that? I mean, it's not the money. It's not the money. Like most of the time, it's not the money. There are people, right? And I want to be very clear with this. There are people when they say, yo, I ain't got the money to do it. They literally have more bills than they do money, right? The income that comes in, right? Like that's, that's a, that's a fair thing. But for the majority of people that I interact with, it's not the money. These people make two to three times the national average. How the hell do you not have the money? It's because you spend on bullshit, right? Yeah. Complete bullshit. bullshit. Like yeah. the same person who's coming to me talking about, yo, I need to get my money right. Just got a brand new Audi. What are you doing? <laughs> Oh right like what are, you, what are you doing like what where is this and it's 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 a it's an amazing that's why i said it's the behavior i argue with people's emotions more than i do with their math yeah like when you say yo you need to be on a on a budget people think it's restrictive no it's telling you the truth you just don't want to hear it right right it, and like you know saving money doesn't sound as sexy as investing in sure Right. Right. Now nah, I'm in fact, yeah, I can go to a cocktail party, right? I can go somewhere and be like, yo, man, I invested in blah, 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 and made money and, and stick my chest out. You know, I, I walk into a cocktail party and be like, yeah, I saved money this month. Yeah. No, ain't nobody sitting next to me. Right. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting any fine chicks, you know? You know what I'm saying? But it's the, but that's how it is. It's, it's how society it's teaching. It. Yeah. Yeah. So I try to focus people on thinking about, not only their net worth, but like liquid. liquid, you know, so the things I start off with is remember, I keep saying behavior. I say, so what happens if you lost your job right now? How long can you last? Mm. Right. That's the first thing I ask people is how long can you last without um, a job? And, you know, a lot of times, especially, you know, uh, among, among, you know, minorities, it's like, yo, they can't even last a month. Yeah. If that. Yeah. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and here's the crazy thing, right? So with everything the government's doing, they're messing everything up, I'm saying, because they're making it sound as if you could just sit here forever and just live off the government. And that, mm. you know that can't happen. No, yeah, they're not teaching good behavior. Yeah, I, li I like your they're perspective not. on that. Um, they're not. They're not because now look what you, you just instituted a, a, a program that now everybody's going to say, well, why don't you just do that every time? Now people would say your your opinion is controversial. Like, what do you do? And I don't I don't think it is. I think what you're saying is the truth. But what do you, I mean? How do you get that opinion to not be controversial anymore? <laughs> well, I think I don't know if it's con. I mean, I, I don't know if it's controversial per se because I think there are people who needed to be bailed out. There's no question yeah, about it. Absolutely right. Just I like you know. Again, we're we're in the statistics field, right? So mm -hmm. I understand that the majority of people who lost their jobs are blacks and Hispanics, right? I'm well aware of this, right? I'm 100% well aware of it. What I think is the problem, though, is that everybody's saying it, right? We all read the same newspapers. Everybody's been saying for the last couple months that the, the, the job market is opening. You read article after article of people saying they don't have enough people to hire, specifically because you can make more money off the government sitting home than you can going to work. That is true. That's a problem. Right. That's a problem, right? That's, that's not good. It's not. Right. Like you, like you, you, you got to get out there. And, and if I, let me tell you something, if I was be able to sit home and collect money from the government, knowing that I would not maybe be able to make the same until things fully opened up, 
would sit home. That's a smart decision. You know, sure. but I think I think you know, in general, I think part of it is always gonna be how, what's the easy way out? You know, what's the easier way out? I should right. say. And the easier way out is to have them forgive the student loans and forgive this and forgive that. It's just not reality. It's it's just never been for thousands and thousands of years. It's never been our reality. And I don't know why now, like we like you and I understand what inflation is and pumping money into the system is. Yep. We know how this ends. I do. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> right. We both know we both know how this ends. That's why when you say it's controversial, I'm like, it's not it, if you know how it ends. Right. It shouldn't be controversial. I totally agree with you. But most people, you know, their ears are probably going to perk up when they hear this. And it's just, it makes me sad. <laughs> you know? It hurts. It hurts, man, because it's one of the things where it's like, well, you know, you, you, you got to help people. And like I said, I have no problem helping people. I have no problem doing that. Right. And right. I think there's multiple ways to help people. I think there's, you know, that you can put money in their pocket, but I think you can also show them how to never be in that position again. Like, why would you want to be in the position where you got to depend on the government? No. Yeah. No. Like, these people, these people are the worst, Democratic or Republican. They're the worst. Like, <laughs> it it one, transcends thing, party lines, man. It's both. Yeah. Like, it don't, it don't, it don't matter. It don't matter what the party lines are. Like, one thing that made, I was, I told somebody this the other day, back in November, I, yeah. You know, the whole election and all the bullshit's happening at that time. Right. You know, you had you had both parties telling you, hey, look, 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 look. You got to vote for me because if you vote for me, I'll send you another check. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. It, both sides. Josh, Josh, they didn't cut the check till March. You're Yeah, you're not wrong about that. That's, that's fucked up. <laughs> March. You're telling me, right? You're telling me that these people need the money. They need it right now. Oh, my God. What is wrong with you people? You people are insecure, blah, 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 blah. Right. And it took you till March to cut the check? They, it was a game, man. It was a game. It was a game. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why, to me, that's why I'm like, you want to depend on that? Right. That, that. That's Those scary. People, that should scare the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. And they told, like, you want to depend on those people? Who are just dangling the carrot in front of you and like messing Vote with you? Me. Nah, man. <laughs> nah, yo. I'd rather, I'd rather figure out another way. That's why I say be charitable. I think charity is so important. Yeah. Because like someone who like like me, if I'm debt free or something like that, and I got myself in a good financial position, I can turn and help a family member. I can turn and help, you know, a, a friend, and you know, teach them how to do it, and then they do the same, right? You you can help people around you versus like waiting on government to do it. it's not like the, the government programs are bad it's just that if you ever worked in a big organization how long does it take for a decision to get made mm -hmm. same thing right to dispense that so you know it, it it it's tough man but i'm always of the opinion we could just do it ourselves let's just do it right what about you know, so it, you know i see a lot of people that you know they have debt what's your take on investing while in debt I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious I, your take on it. I'm not a huge fan of it. Okay. You know, I, so I do believe in, in what's called the 70, 30 rule. It was by, um, a motivational speaker. His name was Jim Rohn back in the day. And he talked about how you should be able to try to live on 70% of what you make. And then the other 30%, you know, break it up into, you know, equal parts. Um, so 10% would go to saving 10% should go into having your money, make you money. 
and I think 10% should go to charity. Right. Right. So I, I do like that rule. That's why I say, like, I think you can do both. And if you can't live on 70%, let's say if you have to live on 97%, but it's one, one, and one, right, for each of those categories, and so be it because you build the habit of doing it. Right. But I think people don't understand, though, Josh, is if you have a 401k, they're already investing. Yes. Yep. Right. You're if you have an IRA. Like if you have something that you're already using part of your money for, um, you're already investing. So it was actually humorous to me last year. People were like, "Yo, yo, y'all need to be investing," and I'm like, "Dude, you got a 401k. Just start adding more money to it." Mm-hmm. They they didn't equate the fact that their 401k isn't doing exactly what they're doing. Right. They didn't see, and it, they have a tax advantage. So if investing for them is you know, increasing your 401k once every year, then fine, great. If your investing is not even a stock market, let's say it's, you know, real estate, for sure. example, or other, you know, any, anything that accounts for your money growing your money, right. then yeah, let's do it. Yep. But, you know, I think there needs to be, that's why I said, imagine walking around with your net worth on your forehead because <laughs> you would have to focus on the debt. You have to. Have to. Because maybe you can take your investment gains. Like for everybody who hears this within the sound of my voice, if you made money in the market and you feel good, take some of that money and pay off your debt. Mm -hmm. the, the quicker you, I always tell people, the quicker you pay off your debt, the more you can invest. Right. Market ain't going nowhere. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not going nowhere. You know, I'm 26, right? And I was looking, the average net worth at my age is like minus 20K. Yeah, and that's and I remember, and that's is that the average or is, yeah. it, is that the mean or no, the median? No, that's the that's the mean. So it's not even the median, right? right. So it's it's skewed by the outliers. Yeah, right. It's skewed by the extremes. Yep. So if you look at the median, it's probably worse. Yes. And this is here's where it gets really bad. You look at the median, it's probably worse. Yep. Right. Then you look at it from a gender perspective, even worse. You look at it minority, even worse. Right. Some of these people don't have a positive net worth the almost their entire life. Now, did you know? Do you notice that it's worse for males or females? I'm assuming males. Is that right? Um, or do you know? I think I think the no, no, no. Actually, no. I do know this. the The statistics show um, that women are usually at the bottom of the bottom. Really? Okay. In general, yeah. The reason why yeah. is because statistically, men make more money. That's true. Yep. Um, Makes more sense. And the fact that women, say, for example, if they ever were to, you know, be pregnant or whatever it is, they're sometimes taking out the labor force. Yep. Um, and, you know, when you when you compound that now with, you know, either a minority or Hispanic or whatever it is. Right. Like, look what happened again, unfortunately, during the, the crash of, of last year. All those jobs were, you know, jobs that were, um, I wouldn't say client facing, but like, yeah, like more, you know, more facing the the customer, for example, customer facing, for example, those are usually done by minorities and minority right. men and minority women. So yeah. they're already making less. Yep, they can be taken out the the workforce. They may not know about investing the same way as as men do. You know, for various reasons. So they're usually at the bottom of the bottom when it comes to um, you know income, net worth, the whole nine yards. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm fairly certain the wealth gap probably, you know, when it comes to minorities, it probably even further uh, got outpaced. I'm assuming it, it widened with COVID. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, 
it, the, the, the interesting thing about the last couple of years is that it actually started, I mean, I want to say it started to close, but it was growing, right? If the whole economy is growing at the same time, I don't care, you know, how folks feel about whoever the president is. But at the end of the day, if, if the economy is growing at the same time, everybody's growing and growing their money at the same time. Yep. The problem is, is that when you're already low and they kick the, the floor under you. Yep. Right. You're going to fall quicker. And. That's where I think this this concept of the K-shaped recovery is actually you know legit. To be honest, if if people like me and you know how to manage money and know how to you know prevent ourselves from you know having too much leverage and too much exposure, and you know we're lucky enough to keep a job, we're lucky enough to keep our income, you know by God's blessing, we came out okay, right? Your net worth actually probably increased over the last you know couple months absolutely like, right, i'll take i'll <laughs> yeah. take i'll take march any day i'll take march of 2020 any day i yeah it was my best year i'm sure it was probably similar to you i mean you know right it's, it's probably it the best year you've ever had if, if you if you track your net worth and all that you're not you're not commuting to work you're not doing you know you're saving your money you're not spending that much you're not going on vacation oh yeah it was you're, yeah <laughs> right like all that money but for people who unfortunately like we talked about before don't have that ability yeah and they lost their jobs. Well, they took a huge hit. Huge. It took a huge hit. And you know, and like I said, they're dangling the the stimulus checks. They're, you know, the the unemployment's not the same way as it was during the whole process. Like, it gets really bad really quickly. You know, here's another one that's going to scare people. All these remember they they stopped the the foreclosures. Yes, and uh, um, what was the other one? They stopped the foreclosures and they stopped the um, forbearances. At the well, forbearances for student loans for sure, but yeah. the uh, the like the, to kick your the, like to kick the uh, the renter out. Oh, oh, oh. Um, why don't I the term? Yeah, yeah, right. I'm yep. forgetting the term. But at the end of the day, you can't you can't kick evict. somebody out your house. Evict. Yeah, you can't evict anyone. Right, right. And now remember, you still owe the money. Oh yeah, right. You still owe the money. So some some people have been sitting there, haven't been paying rent for the last eight, nine, twelve months. Oh hell yeah! I mean, real estate is scary depending on where you're at. I mean, my God, like when these people come out, right? And now again, if I'm in their position, I'm doing exactly the same thing. Yep. So yep. Right. So now if they come out and they say, "All right, you you can start evicting people," where's all this money gonna come from? Yeah. You know what I'm saying so it's like that's why it, it, a lot of these things that it, it's it we're we're being propped up this this whole economy is being propped up by you know the Fed injecting money and the government and I get why they're doing it but when they rip that bandaid off all hell's breaking loose because eventually they're gonna have to peel back. So what are you doing to protect your your assets? What uh, are you doing anything in particular? To protect your you stay worth. diversified. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you stay diversified, and you and you think about the long term. Yeah, right. We've been through it. We saw two thousand eight already. I saw what that looked like. Right. I know. I know what it felt like to watch the market crash every day. Like for people who are watching, there's a reason why there's circuit breakers. Right. There's a reason they, they enacted that because of two thousand eight. That wasn't around in two thousand eight. So when you saw like market drop right it just kept dropping there was no like turn the market off like, right. it just drops <laughs> you know say so you just kept losing money and momentum right momentum behavior just everybody the herd just moves in the same direction right um, so i think you know you stay diversified and and you you know you 
um, ensure that you keep your emotions in check. Like I remember last year in March, I remember turning on CNBC and like watching it, you know, pause every single day. And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. It's all right. It's not a big deal. Market pause. It felt, you know, if it falls 7% or 15% in two days, they stop everything or whatever it is. And I remember just, you know, controlling your emotions during that time. Right. You know, a lot of people hit me up saying, Hey, should I go to my 401k and, and cash out? No. My statistics oh, yeah. show that the rebound after after market downturns is where you make the most money. Absolutely. People don't realize that, right? Like you have to actually if you eliminate those days of of the 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 rebound after the big down days, you you're not going to make any money. Um Right. So that's what I do. I, I try to, you know, keep everything in perspective and I'm, I'm again, I'm playing the long game, man. I'm trying to you know, I'm I'm paying 20, 30 years from now. I'm not really playing for tomorrow. So, you know, if things happen, things happen. That's to me is buying opportunities. Like right, right now, the market is so fluffed. It's just hard to, I mean, I don't know. It, everything's expensive. Everything's so expensive now. Everything. Like, I just, I don't know how the hell you choose something long term at this point. It's just like, all right, I guess, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> just go along for the ride and, and hope that the market continues to trend upwards like we know. Usually yeah, I does. think I think I think what you'll see eventually, um, you know, I think what was it? Bank of America came out um, last week or now on their earnings call and said that they anticipate hyperinflation, right? Or a trans transitory hyperinflation, I think, is what they used. By right? basically saying it's going to be temporary. I don't care if it's temporary; it could be a day. It's going to hurt. Oh, it was, it's going to hurt the wages. Oh God, it's going to hurt. It's so gonna bad. hurt. It's gonna hurt you know, the poor I, people that were. You know, it always does. It's gonna hurt. Yeah, it's gonna. Cause think about it. The Fed has already told you, right? You know, kind of like nerd alert. But like, the the Fed has already told you that they're going to allow inflation to go above two percent. Which that what that means is they're not gonna raise the interest rates. Nope, they're gonna keep right? it low. Yeah, they're gonna keep it low. They they said they're gonna keep. Josh, they said they're gonna keep this shit low till twenty twenty three. They sure did. Lower for longer, baby. <laughs> It's going to be a fucking free-for-all. Like the, the next couple of years is going to be an absolute, like, it's going to be a shit show. Because if they're pumping all this money into the system and they're keeping the markets propped, right, they're going to allow inflation to go. What I think is going to be the problem, though, is that when inflation does start to tick up and they let it go above 2% and then they start to raise interest rates, you can breathe on the market in a negative direction in that point and everything starts to drop. Yes, people are going to fucking be scared shitless. That's what I was reading. This, like, quick jump to raise rates might really, really start the domino effect. Easily. Yeah, and, and remember, like, now every time they come out, you, you know, poor guy, he has to come out every time and say, yes, we know we're sticking with our plan. Because he understands, like, at the end of the day, you know, you can service the debt because your interest rates are low, but eventually you're going to have to pay this thing back. You're going to have to do something. Um, yeah. And it's not sustainable. Like what they're doing is not sustainable from an economic theory, at least from everything we've ever learned. I've never seen this work, yeah. you know, what they're doing. So, you know, I for the next couple of years, it's going to be probably a free for all. But, you know, I think we're going to get inflation a lot quicker than people think. You have all think about this. Bro. We've all been home. You know how much money people are sitting on right now? Dude, the savings. Dude, I, I'm posting about this. Dude, the savings rate in March was um like 27%. The personal savings rate was 27 fucking yeah, well, percent. Yeah, and so yeah, so uh, was it 
was it last March or this March? This March. Yeah, last this March. Month. That was the second highest on record, right? It sure was. The, la- the highest, the highest on record was last year. You're last right. Last year, like April, right? Because everybody stopped. You're right. Absolutely, it was just a little bit higher, like thirty four percent. But I mean, we are, I mean, people are sitting on some cash. Yeah. So I think <laughs> I think the government knows that. The Fed knows that. That's why article after article after article is telling you, yo. Economy is going to have a really big boom because everybody, man, when I get off this call with you, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> what are you I have doing? To sit there and start, I have to go sit there and go help uh, one of my friends plan his bachelor party for Vegas. <laughs> oh, okay, they're going to Vegas. They're going to Vegas in the summer. Okay, <laughs> They got they got their shots. They're good to go. Like, they, like these people, they, these people are going to open the floodgates on their accounts and they're going to feel good about it. And remember I said behavior, they're going to feel good about it. And they're not going to realize that they're going to be spending all this money at this time. And there is no reversal. Right? Yeah. It's not like, I, you know, they're going to shut everything back down and I'm going to save it money again. No, once they open, they're not closing this shit again. Right. Like, COVID can come back 100%. They're not closing this ever again. They're not doing it. The people lost too much money. It, it's over. So when they start spending their money and they start going into their savings and now it's like you know four or five months of savings and now you went down to two and then the market starts to turn and people start to lose their jobs and that's when all hell breaks loose yeah because the market the market's gonna lag six months to a year out but at some point shit's gonna hit the fan for these people you know and exactly it's, it's behavior i mean we see it time and time again that's why that's why it scares me, man. I mean, like that's why that's why I do what I do. That's why I try to give the game away as much as I can because, you know, I'd ra- it'd be one thing to be critical from the sidelines, right? Right. Like you kind of you you know what I mean by this. Like it's it's different when you know you from the sidelines and saying, nah, don't do that. Nah, I'm gonna be right in everybody's face, <laughs> right? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna be in the in the the fields with people trying to tell everybody how to to manage their money, not necessarily just investing, but like how to think about money so that. And things like that happen, you can take full advantage. Right? Look at the housing market. Right. Oh, where did they get all this money from to buy all these houses? Oh, right now? Where? Where? Because the rates went down? Oh, that's the yeah, reason know, why? Right? Where's all this down payment money coming from? Yeah, that's a tricky one because, you know, I'm a real estate investor and I see a lot of things are just getting appraised for 40, 50 over asking, right? And so, you know, it's not the same. Um, craziness that was happening in 08, but there's certainly a level of just fluff going on in real estate that people aren't talking about. Yeah, and it's insane to me because it's like, all right, so the what was the mortgage rate? You probably know better than me. What was the mortgage rate before COVID? What was it about four percent? It was about yeah, I would say about four or four and a half percent. Yep. All right. In 1972, I think I told somebody the other day. In 1972, when my father bought his house, the an- the average rate was eight and a half percent. Yep, absolutely. Right? Way higher. At that time. Right? It was, it was eight and a half. It was double what, what it was at the time. So you had mortgage rates drop to, you know, mid twos during the middle of, of COVID. And right. everybody ran and bought a house. But the houses, the house prices went up by 20, 30%. Absolutely. So you didn't, you didn't save anything. Yep. If you did the math, right? If you actually worked the math out. Absolutely. Said, all right, you know, from an amortization perspective, how much interest am I paying? Because a lot of these people, they didn't do 15 years. No, hell no. They did 30. Yep. So, you know, so let's say, for example, you're not spending it. So I'll set this up for you, right? You're sitting home. You've been in the city. You don't want to live in the city anymore. You got your wife. You said, screw that. I'm moving out to, you know, Jersey or Connecticut or whatever. 
Long Island. Right. You bought your house. Remember, your budget during that period is different because you're not commuting into work. You can work from anywhere. You're not going on vacation. So your budget looks pretty good every month. And then they open the, the markets or they open the, the economy. So you're going to want to go on vacation. You're going to do one of renovations on your house and this, that, and a third. But you got this big-ass mortgage. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen if the market turns bad? <laughs> you may not be. I I'm truly stretched. think, I, I really hope I'm wrong with this. But I think the real estate market is the one I'm scared about more than anything. Yeah. And the reason why is because I don't know if all those people who ran and bought a house can afford the house if something goes wrong. That's true. Yep. I don't know. I don't know either. Right? If you, if, if you spent all that, think about it, you saved all that money since March. And then you open the economy. They're betting on you spending money. You spend yeah. all that money, and then you go back to you know your maybe one, two, three months of savings. Right. And interest rates start to rise, and the stock market starts to fall, and you know you may have layoffs because people are missing earnings, and da 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 da, and all this kind of stuff. Right. You may have a problem. Absolutely. People man. can't pay their mortgages. You know what I'm saying? And then you then you run back into the same thing all over again. Freaking craziness, man. Yeah, it's. It's it's bugged, man. It's, I mean, that's why we do it. That's why we do what we do. That's Hopefully, we, we try to prepare everybody, you know. And and I, I I'm that I'm scared. I am I'm not gonna lie to you, Josh. That one I'm scared about. That was you know I like that. That was a good way to wrap up. If you don't mind, I gotta get running. But Joel, I really yeah, I'm man. gonna have you on again, man, because I just like your perspective. I, I I love your message. I think you. You have a lot of wisdom beyond your years, so I. Yeah, this is a great one, and again, I appreciate your time. Uh, Josh, anytime, brother. Keep doing your thing. I'm going to keep supporting you, man. Keep doing everything you're doing. As will I, man. Well, you have a good one, and I'll talk to you soon, Joel. All right, brother. Be good. Hey, you too, man. All right, bye. As always, my money crazy lunatics, stay hungry. Thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you in the next one. Peace.